The long and winding road leads us here to the doorstep of the postseason. One win, a little bit of help away from ending 17 seasons of misery. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Now, how many quarterbacks have you ever seen hurdle anyone? Oops, he throws. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're listening to the Red, White and Buffalo Blues. My name's Matt, I've got Alex here and we are talking to the touchdown.co.uk's Simon Carroll who also hosts, am I right in saying this, Simon? It's the uh, Collapsing Pocket podcast. That's correct, yeah. It's great to to have you on the show. Uh, For our our listeners, you could tell us a bit about, um, about what you do. Sure. So um, I've got I've got a lot of things in a lot of different pies, to be honest. I am a co-host of the Clapsy Pocket podcast, which is just a general light-hearted chit-chat about everything in NFL. Um, I've been scouting for the NFL Draft for about a decade. I've uh, done that for my own website, which used to be called NFL Draft UK. Um, and then last year, July time, um, we fully integrated into a new website that me and three other guys uh, created called The Touchdown, which... Um, it's gone done really well, and then obviously this year we're, we're scouting again, and, and we've got a massive, diverse, um, all kinds of stuff going on really for the NFL draft. Um, yeah, that's pretty much me. I think I think that's everything. Um, just uh, really cracking on this time of the year and, and uh, getting to the meat and bones, as you say, of the NFL draft. And great to come on the show and uh, chat some Buffalo Bills for you guys. That's awesome. You're just just quickly, you're a Chargers fan, aren't you? Now you've done your research. Yeah, I'm a Chargers fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm an, I'm an NFL fan mostly, mate. NFL. Fan. Yeah, I was, I was listening to a couple of your um, couple of podcasts uh, this week just to uh, just have a have a listen, see what um, see what we um, what we can do, and what and obviously um, what we can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, always, oh, always like to be prepared. If you have any questions about, you know, Tyrod Taylor, you can let him go. <laughs> Uh, no, no questions about him. We know what we've got with Tyrod Taylor. Right. Um, yeah. Sadly, uh, I, I do believe that when they're all of a sudden done after this offseason, we'll have options at quarterback. Uh, but it's always nice to have a veteran in that in that stead as a backup, yeah. as a backup plan, I suppose. And we know that Auntie Lynn likes him from his time at Buffalo with you guys. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've always been at a soft spot for the Buffalo Bills. A, a very interesting team to watch. Ever since Bannon Bean and Sean McDermott went over there, it feels like a, a program that's really on the rise. And mm. yeah, I'm glad you guys called me up and asked me to come on the show. That's awesome. I mean, obviously, me and you had a quick, um, had a little chat, obviously, on Twitter just beforehand. Um, obviously, you say you're loving what they're actually, um, what they've done in this off season. I think, obviously, the Diggs trade for us would probably be the, um, the highlight of it. But it, it's what, as you say, is what Brandon Bean and Sean McDonald have done. They've brought a lot of, um, a lot of good and a lot of upward progression to the Bills. Well, the best thing I think about them is, is the no-risk philosophy that they take with all the increments. I mean, they've brought in a lot of Panthers, which obviously they're very familiar with. Um, even going back to Josh Norman, who said a spell the Redskins between. But even that deal is fantastic. It's a one-year deal. It's like $6 million, might go up to $8 million. It's, 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 you know, you can't lose with that. If he's no good, you bin him off. It's the same with across the board. They put in quite a few different positions, try and fill a lot of the holes before they get to the draft. So when you actually get to the draft itself, 
you can take value. You can do as you know. You can you've got you're less pigeonholed into doing one thing. So the trade for Stefan Diggs was fantastic. He's the mm-hmm. best route runner in the game. You know, and yeah, it's cost you your first round pick. It's cost you quite a bit to be fair, especially when you compare it to say something like DeAndre Hopkins. But he's still worth it. A first, a yeah. fifth, a sixth. Um, and then I think you got a fourth round pick you're giving to him in 2021 as well. So it's a hefty deal. Mm. But what, what it does mean is when you've got that second round pick, that third round pick, you don't have to go and get one of those wide receivers now. And we know it's a deep wide receiver class, and that's great. But there's no guarantee that any of these guys are going to be at the level of Stephon Diggs. To bring exactly. that kind of caliber player to, to Buffalo, to give Josh Allen that real true elite weapon is, is yeah. phenomenal, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I, was, work, I was working out, I think, a couple of the... Um... Bill's beat reporters actually mentioned it that even though it does look like it's a lot, obviously first, fifth, a um, a sixth, a first, fifth, sixth, and a fourth next year is March. It it only like to equivalent to like was it pick seventeen or pick eighteen in the draft this year if they're if my math and their math is correct. So I th- I think it, I was initially myself. I don't know about Alex. I was initially um, a bit oh god they've overpaid, but as, as everyone said, it's it's what he can bring into the game and to the team that you're going to have to wait potentially a year, even like the Judy and, and C.D. Lamb, if they did ever drop or we traded up, would actually take a bit of time to get into it. Exactly, yeah. I mean, if you guarantee you're going to get quality at the level of Stefan Diggs, you'd, you'd give the 18th pick overall right now, wouldn't you? That's exactly, you know, there's, there's, that's value right there. So... In that, in that essence alone, it's good enough. I mean, I think you're also looking at the other side of things is that Stefan Diggs does come with a little bit of baggage. He's, he's a very emotional football player and it's not only born out of competitiveness. He's not he's not like a problem child or anything like that, but he does have these outbursts. And it's something that the Bills have tried to stay away from for a while. But what this shows is now they've got that locker room mentality, that ability to bring in these guys who, you know, they can come into this atmosphere. They know it's all about work and they, don't, they might not be able to play up like they were elsewhere. Because they're, they're so entrenched within their philosophy of, of being this kind of team that work hard, blue-collar blue team for a blue-collar city, and I think it's fantastic. Mm. I think Diggs will be really acclimated with Buffalo. I think there's a lot of parallels between Minnesota and Buffalo. Everything he said on Twitter so far has has, has been pretty good. I just saw that a restaurant named a burger after him in Buffalo, so I think things are getting off to a pretty good start there. <laughs> You know, so that's the important thing. Yeah. Was, the, was there a centre that went uh, to the Bills in, in free agency last year who, and some guys welcomed off the plane with a, with a box, a box of uh, chicken wings or something like that? That's oh, the kind yeah. Of, that's the kind of team I want to play for. <laughs> yeah. Mitch Morse and Cole Beasley, I think, were the, were the two main ones uh, mm-hmm. that had it. I mean, we're hoping that next time the Bills come over to London, we might do the... Um, we might do the same on their arrival. <laughs> As a <laughs> well, welcome to the UK. <laughs> That's quite an interesting, uh, nice little segue, that, because um, last summer I had the privilege of going down to see uh, Spurs' new stadium when they unveiled it as the NFL stadium for the first time. And I met Mario Addison, who is uh, an edge rusher for the Panthers then, who's just signed for you guys on uh, a three-year contract. Um, he's another one of, like, Brandon Bean's kind of guys, like a high-value kind of edge rusher. He's 33, so he's not young, you know, and it's quite a long deal, but the price is right. And this is a guy you can get after the quarterback. And... Alongside him, they brought in like Vernon Butler from the Panthers in interior defensive line guy. Because I'd say that you've lost a little bit on that defensive line in free agency. Obviously, Shaq Lawson went to the Dolphins and Jordan Phillips, I think, is a sneaky big loss. He's gone to the Cardinals. So he's gone out there and he's he's, he's put some people in place to place. They might not be the same level, 
But, you know, it yeah. does mean that when you come to that second round pick, you don't necessarily have to go edge rusher or you don't have to go wide receiver. You know, this is how, this is how you build a team. This is very smart, football, uh, very smart roster management here from Brandon Bean. Mm, I mean, this, the one that I'm, I think, I think Alex did mention it to me um, in one of our previous episodes that I like a lot as well is the, um, the Quinton Jefferson signing. Mm. So obviously he's, he's, a, he's still, He's still young. Okay, I was about 27, 28 or something like that. So still in his about to hit his prime, but he's he's that versatile guy that can play anywhere along that um along that front four. And I think that's what Brandon Bean has actually um looked for in most of his signings, guys that can be flexible. Definitely. And another and again, the two year deal. So even if it doesn't quite work out, which we know, you know, it sometimes does it sometimes doesn't, you're not on the hook for a long, long time. You know, you've gone to the days where you have Mario Williams on your roster where he's he's draining you of, of cap space and not really producing. You know, this is well, he did at first, but you know, not towards the end. And this is this is how you build a roster. This is this, this is the way to do it. And if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, when you see the the way that the AFC East is developing, you've got to be quite excited with the way things are looking right now. Yeah. Yep. Um so let's let's move on to to the draft some um some obviously that's coming up in a few weeks. first of all I just want to get your take on how you think it's gonna how the draft's gonna go as a as a whole for the NFL, obviously with them now doing it um doing it virtually. I have got no idea what this draft is gonna be like whatsoever. <laughs> it's gonna be absolutely mental. Um it's something I look forward to every year. I take three days off, off work to, to try and enjoy it. And I don't think it's going to be the visual spectacles that we're all used to. But the business is still going to get done. And I think that's the most important thing. I think you're going to see some different aspects of it affecting the way that teams pick. I don't think that anybody with injury uh, questions, they've not been able to be cleared up. So you might see guys like that fall down the board. I think you'll get a lot more local players signing for local teams. You know, We see that a little bit anyway, but like, I don't know, maybe like the Vikings going for Justin Jet, sorry, for Tyler Johnston later round uh, from Minnesota Golden Gophers and things like that. I think you're going to find that the, the local scouts who've had the ability to get out a little bit more and get relay the information back to to their headquarters a bit better. That'll uh, that be something that you, you might see a little bit of too. In terms of the actual spectacle, I mean, I've got no idea. I think they said that EA Sports is doing some kind of virtual or like visual thing where the guys will walk onto like a, a stage and see like as if you were playing Madden. In their yeah. swap jersey and a, and a cap with Roger Goodell, which is a pretty smart novel thing, and I, and I believe they sent like a box of caps out to each family household so that they can put on the right cap when they're <laughs> when the picks announced and stuff like that. So I mean, it won't have the it won't have the, the spectacle, the star studded appeal, but I still think you'll get the emotion, the raw emotion of these guys who you know they've worked so hard over well since yeah. like six years old now to try and get into this NFL. You know, they've not had a childhood like the rest of us have, just dedicating themselves to this and you know to see that emotion. I think we'll still find that, and I think that's the most important thing. I imagine yeah. there's going to be a lot of technical mistakes and errors. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but working from home on live chats and video streams, nothing ever goes right. And I can't imagine all these old guys that are in charge of teams and stuff. Like, like I imagine the Bills should be all right. Brendan Bean seems like he knows what he's doing. He's already done a few Zoom chats and things like that. But I don't think Roger Goodell has any idea of how to handle something this technologically advanced. I'm sure there's a lot of 20-year-olds right now working for the NFL who are like, it's my time to shine. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's gonna have. He's certainly gonna have his uh, grandkids or whatever in the uh, yeah. in, his, in his front room helping him out with that. But I, I find it interesting that they're deciding where to do these things. So some teams are doing it in the facility, and they're only allowed, I think, ten people in it there at once, and they have to be still, you know, spaced out in the room, which shouldn't be too much of a problem. But I hear that uh, 
Uh, Andy Reid's doing it in his basement, and I hear that the Saints are doing it in a brewery. So it's, it's gonna be, I think it's going to be quite interesting. It's going to be novel. One way or another, we're going to look back in a few years' time and see this as something that we'll never, ever know, see again. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting pick then for the uh, for the Saints. They're going to be on the... Uh... All under the uh, under scrutiny. Oh, you made that pick in a brewery. Maybe that's uh, <laughs> that's if they get a bad uh, bad pick. We we'll just blame the beer. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, <laughs> they, they need to nail that nail those picks, don't they? If they're going to be doing it under the influence. Yeah. So let's let's move on to to the Bills draft. I mean, after one, get your your views. Our last episode, me and Alex reviewed. Um, what will be our fifty-fourth um, pick? So technically, our first, um, our first pick in the draft. Um, we were obviously deliberating quite a bit. He went for Curtis Weaver of Boise State. I went with Jeremy Chin. Wow. What's your views on that? So, I mean, the problem without having a first-round pick is obviously you miss out on the elite talent for the most part in the draft. So you're now you're looking at um, value and upside and stuff like that. Although the second round, you should still be able to get people who start and maybe even get to the Pro Bowl for a long time. I do appreciate that Alex's choice of Curtis Weaver. Edge is going to be a problem because when you get to this 54 pick, I'd argue you have three major needs. Um, edge is your big one, I think. Cornerbacks one because Josh Norman's not going to be a long-term answer opposite Travis White. And running back, I suppose, because obviously Brian Gore's not been re-signed yet and Devin Singletary, could he handle the load himself? For two of those positions, quarterback and running back, I think, you're going to find talent there at that 50, at 54. And then even after that, 86. But not necessarily for edge. And I think maybe going for an edge at that point is probably a sensible option because you've got to try and get as much talent across the board rather than get the best player sometimes. It's quite difficult to, to pigeonhole it. But because... I would argue cornerback's quite a significant need. And at that mm. point, you, you might find some uh, first-round talent falling there because that, that position group is so deep. You know, players like Noah Igbenogane and Damon Arnett, they might not get any... They might not still be on the board at 54, whereas in, if they were in different draft classes like the year before, they might be first-round picks. Even someone yeah. like Jalen Johnson. You know, so that's first-round value at 54, which is hard to turn down. But then when you come back to 86... And you've got your cornerback, but then you've got your edge is, is an empty, it's an empty bottle, you know, of no talent mm. there. You, and you've missed out on that spot. It's going to be quite difficult for Brandon yeah. Bean and Sean McDermott to try and get ev- a good player at every position, if you know what I mean. So I suppose it's a, uh, it's picky poison in that regard. Um, yeah. And don't, and don't uh, sit on running back either, because again, at 50, at 54, I think you might find one of the top four guys still there. Probably not DeAndre Swift, probably not Jonathan Taylor, but someone like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who would be a valuable weapon. Uh, Pass catching, running back out of the backfield for Josh Allen or J.K. Dobbins, who's got that explosive play. You know, that's. I mean, it's a glamour pick, and it's. It might be a little bit. It might be a little bit too. I don't know, indulgent to do that right at 54. But I can see the. I can see the edge. The safety one there shot me. Um, I don't really consider safety as, as that much of a need for Jeremy Chin, but um, the guy can play almost play linebacker. At which point you're yeah. going to get double, double the value. The guy, he's a beast. I think. I think that's what we. I think that's what obviously. With Brandon Bean, Sean McDonald, they've they obviously scouted Carl Duggar quite a lot because he can obviously play the same thing. I think from what we can see when we watch when we watch the Bills, they they like to play the nickel. They like to have that that big nickel, and especially mm. in Carolina days when they had um, was it Thomas Thomas Date no Shaq Thompson as that as that big nickel in their package. I think that's my obviously thinking between for Chin or um, or Duggar. I mean, I was even I was even hoping. Or thinking maybe even Peoples Jones because I really like him out of Michigan, regardless of his uh, quarterback at the time. 
I'm, I'm completely in agreement with Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think um, he's a guy, most, most college kids get better through college. He's got worse, and it's basically because of his quarterback play up in the Big Ten. He's, he's really, really struggled with Shea Patterson on the centre. Um, I've kind of shied away a little bit from what wide receiver for the Bills just because of the big trade for Diggs. But mm-hmm. I do think you probably will target that later on. Um, again, like we say, some some of that talent, people Jones or, or otherwise, is going to fall down the draft. So when you get to 86, could very well be um, a position where you guys attack it. Or you could even wait to like maybe like the fourth round. Is it 128 you're picking after that? You know, you could. Yeah. There's still, there's still going to be talent all the way down this draft board at wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, so with. With our third third round pick and pick eighty six, I mean, obviously this would de- this would be dependent on where where the Bills um, go with their um, with their with their first first pick. Mm. I mean, what that obviously you're saying Edge drops off a bit. Obviously, you've still got the likes of um, Jonathan Greenard of Florida and Darnell Taylor and maybe even Bradley and Nye. Obviously, would you put those like tier if you can tier like tier yeah, like compare those two, guys three. to like Curtis Weaver. Like, if the Bills don't take Curtis Weaver in the second round, do those guys compare? I'd argue they do. Uh, Bradley and I certainly does. Um, the thing about Curtis Weaver is he is 100% effort. He's going to give it all day, and he's got the ability to set the edge. Which, when you get beyond the second and third round, you're looking at guys with who maybe can do one job or the other. Um, so, if you, I would argue that Alex Highsmith from Charlotte's in that group as well, and he is seek and destroy kind of. Edge rusher, he'll, he'll, he'll for the start of his career probably just be on situational passing downs. He won't be there for a three down play, whereas maybe Curtis Weaver would. But Bradley and I, I argue, could probably do that job as well because he's he's quite stout as well. Um, Jonathan Greenard, I'm not as hot on him, but yeah, I, I think you still can find edge talent there. It's just a case of it, it might not tick all the boxes that you're looking for. So Alex Highsmith, mm. I've got a soft spot for just because um, the growth of him has been phenomenal at college. He's at the smaller school. Um, he's got plenty of upside. You can see him getting better. And if you can put a bit of weight on, then you will be able to set that edge, do the job that Weave does, and probably have more natural pass rushing yeah. ability to boot. In which case, if you go quarterback, running, running back, or any other position in the second round, and he's still on the board in the third, you've nailed it, haven't you? And that's the trick. Mm. Um, I would argue that Alex Highsmith is definitely comparable in that regard, Bradley and I too. Yeah. So, I mean, say, it, it, it's just what you said earlier in the um, when we were talking that it, but what Bills have done um, during free agency obviously has led us to this point where we can go any numerous positions. I mean, I say we've got a we've got a stacked wide receiver um, draft class, pretty much a stacked. Well, at least for the first, in my opinion, first five rounds, maybe just top of sixth um, cornerback round. So there's a lot of talent on there. I mean, even Bryce Hall. I know loads of people actually um, think he'll be a steal. If he's in there still in the third at 86, because he was a first round or last year was touted as a first round um, selection, but obviously his injury really set him back quite a bit. That's correct. I've actually written Bryce Hall down in my notes here as a potential fit for the Buffalo Bills. This this is a guy, like you say, top of his game for Virginia um, coming out after 2018. 2019 got injured, missed most of the season, and his stocks just tumbled. And I don't think it would have fallen as much if it wasn't for the situation that the whole world finds itself in right now, that people cannot get to him, cannot give him proper medical tests, cannot yeah. see just how bad the injury is. And it, because it's likely that it's an injury that's you know significant, but you can come back from. And if that's the case, he's one of the best ball hawking corners in this draft he, the, the, his, his playmaking ability is phenomenal um, yeah and when we have and when we've got obviously 
signed Josh Norman, we re-signed EJ Gaines. Um, it's also good for a still if the happen to be the Bills pick at eighty six, we can we can stash him on the roster for for the year. Actually, have him mentally tested as we go through, and he doesn't have to contribute straight away. Oh, that's, a, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking for a for a lot of the the picks here. I mean, uh, in 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 breaking down the Bills roster, I don't know uh, what your opinion might be, but like we've we've identified the positions of need, but I don't imagine one of those positions really needing a draft day starter coming out of this draft. I like looking at players that are projects that can maybe start next year. Uh, what's your thought on that? Well, I, for starters, I completely agree with the fact you don't you are not desperate for anybody right now. You can definitely go for a high upside uh, project players, like you say, people who you might need a bit of a learning curve. Um, and Bryce Hall, obviously, he's not really that much of a learning curve, but he needs some time maybe to heal to, to get him to see if he's if he's ready to go for those guys. Another quarterback's in a similar vein, who might need a little bit of time. Amy Robertson from Florida Atlantic. This is like a, a little bulldog of a cornerback. He's 172 pounds and plays like he's 200 pounds. He's got no idea about his own size when he's going up against these big corners. I remember watching, I'm a Texas college, uh, Texas Longhorns fan, college football, and I watched the first game of the season last year against Florida Atlantic, and I was just casually watching it as a fan rather than a scout, and I was like, who the hell is this cornerback causing Colin Johnson all these issues? Colin Johnson's like <laughs> twice his size. And it was this guy, and it turned out when I started watching the tape that he's he is an absolute nightmare for wide receivers. He's another guy who, because of his size, um, might not be considered a high draft pick, but the value you get from him is phenomenal. Troy Price, another guy from Notre Dame, who might be on the board there again, might not be ready for day one, but could very well provide you value going forward. Um, and then, like I say, the wide receivers, similar deal, the inside interior defensive lineman, if you want one of those. I know you picked up a lot in free agency, but if you are looking for that long-term option, you know, you talked about Bradley Anai, his teammate, Lakai Fotu from Utah, He's another guy who mm. he's got it. You know, he's got that ability. He's got the he's a gap buster. He can get into the backfield and get to the quarterback from the interior, which is like it's like almost like the the, the golden goose of, of what defense is looking for nowadays. Like interior pass rush. Brady would, would, would if he was still in your division, he'd be hating Lakai Fosu <laughs> facing him week in week out. And there are players like that. Jordan Elliott's another one from Missouri. You know, if you want if you would yeah. want to find some extra talent to help Ed Oliver on that inside, despite all your additions in free agency. And that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Basically, you can go for the best player on the board right now because you've done so well over the last two or three years building that roster from the trenches out. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is good. I mean, obviously, I say no no needs on there. Could you could you see the Bills, and if, if so, who? Could you see him going for like an offensive tackle or, or a guard? Obviously, we've, we've got Nseki... On um on his last coming into his last year, Feliciano Spencer Long, well, no, Feliciano coming to the end of his um into his last year, and a couple of others. Do you could you see a offensive tackle, offensive guard that would be like a a third a third round grade that could fit into that um into that system? Well, there is quite a few. I mean, I suppose the biggest question with that would be how you perceive Cody Ford going forward because um he was one of my mm. favourite um prospects in the draft this time last year uh but what i would argue is that he did okay and then when jj watt got uh, on the field in the playoffs he was kind of almost a bit exposed and maybe a little bit raw a little bit not quite ready or maybe as, as some people have discussed he might be ready for that transition onto the interior as a guard rather than a tackle so i suppose it really makes it's all about what you do with him first before you can decide what other way to go um if you want a guard 
um, in that third, fourth round race, maybe even later, there's a guy from Michigan called Michael Onwenu. And he is massive. He's huge. Yeah, like it takes it takes um pass rushers like half a day to get around him just to get into the backfield. <laughs> and it, and he's so composed um out coming out of his stand and getting into his stance, he's very calm. But I'd argue also that if you want any kind of offensive lineman, don't just go and have a look at Oregon's offensive lineman, because they're all quite underrated. There's a lot of them out there mm. that I mean, you probably don't need a center so much, but if you're looking at like um, guards, maybe someone along the lines of Shane Lemieux or Calvin Throckmorton, they can push inside. They're, they're pretty talented guys who, who will offer you that really like road grading, running kind of lanes for your, for your running game and things like that. But if you want a real, real deep sleeper, there is one kid called Alex Taylor who's got all the size and all the athleticism yeah. you need. Um, he's from South Carolina State, a proper small school kid. He might be like available in the sixth round and... He's got a lot to learn in terms of fundamentals, but if you you know you offensive tackle, like if they don't make it, they move inside, don't they? This guy looks like he's going to be an offensive tackle in the NFL, and I think that's all you've got to do is teach him technique, and which is much easier to teach them teach them trying to ask, get someone to put twenty pounds on or grow his arms or get faster, you know. So that's yeah. the trick, really. At that point, I think you you know there's quite a few names in the offensive offensive line group that you could possibly pencil in later on, it, but not not it, maybe not so much talent falling down the borders or other positions. Mm. Is there any in in your your experience of, of scouting and obviously trying to get to know the the player in their bio that really has like um a wrestling sort of um background on that? So <laughs> I know obviously McDermott is a huge um, wrestling fan, loves his um wrestling when he was a when he was at his college, William Mary, and obviously a couple of guys he actually looks at have actually had that wrestling um, wrestling background. <laughs> I, I, I cottoned on to what you were, uh, were trying to link that uh, wrestling uh, angle from <laughs> as, as soon as you said it. But, um, I don't obviously I don't know any prospects. I've got, I've got any wrestling background, but I'll tell you one guy um, who would not like to wrestle is a a guy called Colton McKivitz from the West Virginia Mountaineers. He looks like a bear, so I won't want to mess around with him. He's, he's so hairy and so big, it's crazy. Um, he's he's got positional flexibility as well. He, he lined up on the outside for West Virginia, but he could play inside too. He's got that kind of real power to his game that allows you to bulldoze alignment out of the way and create lanes for your running back. So yeah, uh, wrestling, not my forte. And I don't, <laughs> it's not something I've searched for as a, you know, as potential sneaky upside for my offensive lineman. But yeah, I can understand the link. It's quite funny. And, and um, wide receiver. I mean, obviously but still, still we've got Diggs, we've got Diggs, Brown, Beasley, the wide, re- wide receiver we get in the third or the um, fourth at this point we're looking at the third they'd come in really as they as the fourth receiver mm. i mean could you see pitman michael pitman jr from usc actually drop that far or is there one that's potentially rising from the fourth that can be found in the third because i mean it's a deep class i mean i like i like a load of those um those wide receivers it's just it's going to be it doesn't matter where you get them, in my opinion. But is there anywhere in the third where they slip, or they um, or they potentially could rise to that spot? So Michael Pittman's an interesting uh, choice because I think that's the kind of exact kind of receiver you're probably looking for. You've got Diggs now as your number one wide receiver, your classic number one. You've got Brown who's your burner who can run down the seam, stretch the field. You've got Beasley who can work the middle. He's very good at the slot. So you're looking for a classic number two receiver who fights for the football, very much a possession receiver. And Pittman's probably that kind of guy. Um, I think he will be there in the third round. I think that's that's the grade I've got on him. There's too many wide receivers for him to be pushed up any higher. There's one other guy I would argue 
could be an option in that position. I was, uh, there's a guy called Quintess Cephas from Wisconsin who really hasn't got much traction in this NFL draft. A lot of it stems back to some pretty nasty charges that were leveled at him and he had to take a year out from Wisconsin while he cleared his name. But yeah, yeah, he just he fights for everything. He, I don't know really why his his uh, draft stock doesn't isn't gone up any higher because he he's an all rounder. He's got yeah, he's got some areas to improve, but he's he's uh, he can be a true starter in the NFL. And, and yeah, maybe not year one, but like we've we've uh, opined on this podcast so far, you know, you don't need guys year one, and if if he provides more upside two or three years after that, then he's probably the guy to go for. He reminds me a lot of Chris Godwin in that mm. kind of like. You throw the ball towards him, he's getting it, and then if you give him enough space, he's going to take off. And uh, I don't think you really, I mean, they're the kind of wide receivers who always come from the mid rounds because they're not that elite number one guy who, and but well, they might have a much more longevity in their career. And I think uh, Cephas is one like that. Uh, interesting p- players when you get down to that kind of range is like the gadget guys as well, people like Devin Duvernay from Texas, who's a little bit like a running back. Um, Almost like a Debo Samuel mold, uh, mold, you know, can get the ball in the backfield, do a lot of different things. And Lynn Bowden from Kentucky, you obviously play quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. Mm. He's an interesting one as well for you guys, I think. I think I'm. I have a I have a crazy idea with the third pick, uh, mm. Jalen Hurts. Um, I think that not not so much for our backup quarterback but i think if we could pull off something a la garoppolo where we develop him he looks good in the preseason allen gets hurt for a little bit he plays he does well we flip him for like a first or second rounder uh, is it crazy to think that teams could think that way um i don't know it's not crazy that it happens because it will happen i think it takes um certain um a certain mindset to be Ballsy like that, almost almost on bordering on belligerence, I suppose. But you you know, in terms of like a comp to Josh Allen, yeah, obviously Josh Allen's got a much stronger arm. But you know, it's not. It kind of makes sense as well as a backup too, because Josh Allen can take off. He's a very much you know a danger with his legs, and which obviously we know yeah. Jalen Hurts is too. So until that time comes where he gets to showcase his talents and then possibly be traded at like you know the old Teddy Bridgewater situation, because the Jets did very well out of that, didn't they? Um, mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise yeah. it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, if you guys did do something along those lines. Um, third round, whether or not they wanted to use one of the coveted picks at the top of the draft and do that, I don't know, but I suppose you've got to have the long-term mentality that it could net you a lot more in the future. But, uh, yeah, I, yeah I mean, it'd, be a lot, it'd be a lot less important if we still had our first-round pick, but I think this technically hmm. being, like, our second pick, it's probably something more important than to just do something like that. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think it, I think they could certainly, whether it's Hurts or any kind of quarterback, I think they could probably take somebody in the later rounds and develop them and let them just have the whole of the offseason if they're happy with Josh Allen and and see see if he can kind of garner some interest from him that way. I think it's a very good idea. Yeah, I mean, just just um, I'm gonna drop back to wide receiver just quickly because one name's just popped into my popped into my head. I just I don't know whether he's going to be in outside guy or a um or slot guy but it's florida's van jefferson because his from what i see on tape his his route running is is second to none out there i think he could be a nice sneaky addition but i wouldn't know if he played he's more of a slot type guy or he can he's predominantly outside or can play a bit of both so van jefferson yeah my comp for him was Cooper Cup, and so he can play inside or outside, and he catches pretty much everything that was thrown, he's thrown his way. Like you say, very similar to Diggs in that his route running is impeccable, and that really helps him get the separation he needs. He's not necessarily the biggest burner in the world, um, 
what you would have to have a concern with Van Jefferson a little bit is why wasn't he particularly productive at college? You know, um, he looked great in his orange ball uh, performance, the final game of his career. But I mean, I think what knocks him down is that just that inconsistency, and and obviously they found a hairline fracture in his foot as well through the draft process, and and again, uh, sound like um. A broken record, but teams haven't been able to check it out. So whether or not he'll, you know, that that might provide you guys some value later on in the draft if he's still there. But yeah, only six touchdowns, only 650 yards in his final season in Florida. I mean, you do wonder why it's, it's not translated really into stats. Yeah. But um, in, ter- in terms of watching the tape, you can't argue with me. You know, he's talented. Yeah. So a couple, a couple more, one more question um, from me. I got, and a couple people actually sent me in a. Um, uh, a mock draft just to just see what your opinion is on it. Um, what is your super, super sleeper? So someone that Bills could get in, say, five, six or seven that could potentially start within the next um, next two years? That is a good question. That's a very <laughs> good question. You're putting me right on the edge. I think I've named a few of them, but I would argue that the cornerback group it's probably it's probably your your um, best area to look at. It depends what kind of cornerback you're looking for. If you're looking at for a really long kind of physical cornerback, then there's a guy called Lamar Jackson from Nebraska who's a real good sleeper. Um, I would, but my favourite one probably, if you're looking for a nickel corner in particular, would be Kendall Fieldor. He's um, a cornerback from Georgia Southern. He has instincts. He's got ball skills. He's ultra feisty. You do not want to mess with this guy, and he will have no problem coming down to the box. And, and uh, taking on tight ends um, who are probably 50 pounds bigger than him. He's, um, I like it. I like his um, anticipation. He's got, he can break some of the ball very quickly. I think if someone gets him later on, particularly a team with the need at cornerback or, you know, looking for that nickel guy, he's, he's one to watch. I'd say he's probably my sneaky one for you guys. Yeah. And let's say I've got, I've got a couple of um, draft, uh, draft, uh, mock drafts um, that people, someone post sent me. Um, he's done this through fan speak um, draft, and Alex, I want to get your opinion on it as well. He's gone uh, for Carl Duggar of Lenore Ryan in round two, Logan Wilson round three, uh, Keyshawn Vaughan for Vanderbilt for uh, Troy Pride Jr. from the Jam five. Uh, Larell Murchison, from, if I pronounce that right, from NC State, uh, 6B Trey Adams, and 7 Tyree Cleveland. Wow. Okay, so. Carl <laughs> <laughs> Duggar obviously is a very interesting prospect. He can, he's um, probably like Jeremy Chin, but a little bit more lightweight, so he's probably a bit, bit more suited to the safety spot than maybe pushing up to that hybrid linebacker safety spot. Um, it's 54, you can't argue with the value though. He's definitely a, a, um, a second stroke, third round draft pick, which is interesting. Um, you'd say Logan Wilson is the th- th- third, uh, is your third yep. round pick. He is one of my favorite players in this draft, and I don't think he's going to go in the third round. I think he's probably going to be there on day three. Um, but this guy, if he was at a power five school, he would be a, definitely a third round pick. He's just getting ignored a little bit up in Wyoming, but I can see the link there a little bit again with Josh Allen. Yeah, he, um, he's like a, the captain of the defense, he's very, very good at doing everything you, you know, all all aspects of his role so dropping into coverage you can do go on blitzes he's got the power to he racked up something stupid like 300 tackles at his time in Wyoming it was crazy I think he's he's a perfect kind of guy that fits in, in that, like I put that Buffalo that city and that team um you went what was it uh Keyshawn Vaughan did you say yeah interesting there's a lot of um 
a lot of talent coming out of uh, Vanderbilt. Though. If it was 2018, you'd say they were all very exciting prospects. There was him, there was Lipscomb, there was um, the tight end, Jared Pinkney. And they all kind of faded away as Vanderbilt had an awful season. So, I mean, it's nice to be able to get a running back like that who can pair well with with Devin Singletary. And that, that's certainly the area you're looking to do it for, isn't it? You know, you want some, mm. someone like that. But I, I think maybe there'd be better options there. We've discussed Troy Pride, the cornerback, um, yeah. who's, uh, who's very much an option for the Buffalo in those um, mid- middle rounds. Lorraine Richardson is actually quite a kind of guy who um, I like, an interior defensive lineman from NC State. He's uh, He's got some kind of upside there. I'm quite happy with that in the late rounds. And Trey Adams is quite a bit of a sad story, really. He was possibly um, a first-round overall pick two years ago, but injuries just seem to have taken like a little step off him. And I think they're going to kick him inside to guard whoever gets him in the NFL. Yeah, and again, possible. You know, he's, he's a captain of that offensive line up in Washington. Really knows what he's doing. Just lost a, a little bit of pace, maybe. And then whether whether or not he'll have it, he just needed to get healthy again. He was playing through it. I don't know, but he's very much kind of kicking side. And if you get him in the sixth round, then a fantastic, a fantastic value. Um, there, I would argue, and certainly a, a man of impeccable character. And um, got one more. Um... One more. This one's done through the uh, the, the draft network. Um, oh, another. Yep. Just just one more. I got got two people that actually um sent me uh sent me one. Uh, we've got fifty four Trayvon Diggs, eighty six Cam Akers, hundred twenty eight James Morgan, hundred sixty seven uh, Jonathan Garvin, hundred eighty eight Isaiah Coulter, two hundred seven Alex Taylor, and two hundred thirty nine Robert Landers. So that's quite an interesting. Trayvon Diggs is the perfect example of what we discussed earlier about round one talent slipping due to the depth of cornerback. Um, if he's there at 54, you, should, uh, you know, I don't know how far it is from Roger Goodell's house uh, to the Buffalo Bills uh, campus, but they should be running it in there because that's a fantastic value at 54. And Cam Akers at 86, again, is probably more in line with what they're looking for in terms of the value of running back than maybe someone like Keyshawn Vaughan that like we just discussed in the previous mock. James Morgan, Interesting um, quarterback. He's from um, Green Bay. Uh, he's very much in the built in the mould of Brett Favre, gunslinger. Mm. I'd argue it's too early for a quarterback for you guys at 128, and I argue it's too early for James Morgan as well. I think he'd probably still be there in the fifth or sixth round if you were interested in getting that guy. But he's certainly got like the, the the toughness to be that kind of quarterback that would appease the Buffalo fans. But uh, I mean, whether or not he's and I suppose he. He's got the same kind of mentality as Josh Allen as well, so I, can, I like that. I like the reason why he's gone for, for James Morgan. Real tough guy. Got a good pocket movement as well. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't advise uh, using him using him on the run as much as you use Josh Allen. I don't think he's quite built for that, but he certainly knows how to move around the pocket and, and he'll stand there tough and deliver the football. He's a good one. Um, Jonathan Garvin. We did say that the you know that's one of the problems for Buffalo is trying to find edge value. Mm. Uh, and 167, I suppose he's well worth a point at 167. Can't argue with that. Isaiah Coulter's an interesting one. He's a, a small school wide receiver from Rhode Island who did really well at the combine. Um, looked a little bit sheepish at first, but then he sort of kind of felt his way into it. And then he ran the gauntlet. He looked really smooth, to be honest. I think that's a very that's a, a really smart pick. He's again that kind of wide receiver two you're looking for. And then did we say Alex Taylor? I think we've already discussed Alex Taylor. Didn't yeah, we? he's one of my sleepers. Alex Taylor, yeah, yeah, and Robert Landers. And Robert Landon, oh, well, I mean, two, pick one, what, the last pick of your draft is at 239, I think. You know, that's, it um, is, yeah. Yeah, camp body, likely not going to be pushing for snaps, really, Robert Landon, sadly. But, I mean, not a bad uh, draft that second one at all, whoever that one was. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to put I'm gonna put you on the spot. 
if we've gone using one of either mine or Alex's um, pick at 54 with um, Curtis Weaver or Jeremy Chin, if you were Brandon Bean, who would you choose at 86? All right, well, I'll go with you guys taking Curtis Weaver at 54, and I will say that at 86, I would plump for Bryce Hall, quarterback from Virginia. Nice, like it. So, Simon, thank you very, very much for, for coming on the show. I mean, can you tell our listeners where they can find you, what you've got up in the um, in the pipeline work-wise? Of course, yeah. Um, so you can find uh, the podcast, the Collapsing Pocket podcast, if you don't mind a little bit of swearing. Um, that would be <laughs> on all, all, all the regular um, podcast um, platforms. You'll be able to find us easily enough. Or you can find us on Twitter at Pocket Crumble. Um, I'd also head over to the touchdown.co.uk and check out all the great work that me and my team have been doing on the NFL draft. Uh, we've done... 270 prospects we've we've um, profiled we've got i think 16 interviews now um all kinds of articles got there loads of mock drafts in fact I'm, what i'm doing right now is um building a mega mock draft seven round mock draft with trades trying to do that before uh before the draft starts and hopefully trying to do it before anyone gets traded and absolutely scuppers it but yeah that's <laughs> where you that's where you'll find all our work and um it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much for having me on thank you very much a really good insight no problem at all cheers buddy Cheers, mate. Take care. And thank you again to um, to Simon Carroll, who you can find at, at NFL Draft Sci on Twitter, or even head down to at the Touchdown NFL to see some of his and his team's work uh, in that draft. I mean, it was a it was a great great interview. If you if you do if you agree, Alex and. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was able to pull information on guys just from the top of his head. And I mean, that's I mean, I've done a lot of research and I still got to look guys up. So (laughs) just a a wealth of knowledge there from that interview. Really good insight about into uh, who's going to be there, who's worth it, who's not and what the kind of idea should be. So I like that a lot. So so then put it to you, he who is your third round pick? I like how he's actually gone with your suggestion for the. um, for the Bills' first round pick with Curtis Weaver, and I liked his um his third round pick in Bryce Hall. But in your opinion, you're the GM. Who's your third round pick? You know, it was fantastic when he agreed with me that my pick was way better than yours. So I was a big fan <laughs> of when he said that. Um, so what does uh, he, he know? He doesn't know nothing. <laughs> Um, I, I look at um, a few positions of need, um, but I didn't consider a wide receiver here because I'm thinking that would be our fourth round pick. Um, even though I don't like it, Cam Akers, I think that might be the pick that the Bills might make if I was a betting man, um, mm. just based off of the need there and his uh, his talent. Uh, an offensive line project like Prince Tiga Wanago. If I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, he's got all the physical tools, but he hasn't played a lot of football. So I think he's got a player that can maybe uh, fill in next year. Um, <clears throat> I mentioned the project Jalen Hurts as a quarterback is possibly someone who could back up Allen and then we can trade him for um, for picks later. Or um, I think the player that I, I would most like, uh, Akeem Davis Gautier, or, or Gator, I don't know. I'm, I'm pronouncing I'm pronouncing it with a with a hockey mindset because when Akeem, I see that, Akeem I see Davis Gator. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, I grew up a hockey fan, so whenever I see a name that looks possibly French, I just go straight French with it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, position flexibility. He could he could play 
the the nickel. He's got the size for it. He could play linebacker. He could play special teams. I think he's a player that can really shine in year two. Again, uh, I think that's the theme of the players that I'm looking at. Uh, guys who could get some, you know, some snaps now, but really looking to make an impact next year. You know, um, uh, like I said, it's, we're in uncharted territory. We don't need a player right now, and it's kind of crazy to, to feel that way. Um, that's why I said Acres, though, based off of what I think the Bills will do, because that's a position that's going to need to get snaps. Whereas yeah. the player I want is uh is um Akeem uh the linebacker because I Akeem just Davis still Gaker. value I, I still value that position as a need more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I I've, I've agreed with everything that that Simon Simon said on that. I mean, the way the way the Bills have attacked the free agency the last two years has got us to the point where we don't have to have any of our top three picks, our second, third, or fourth, they don't have to contribute immediately to it. And we're looking at, can they start as a sec- in their second year and be almost like a fresh draft pick in its, in its sense next year? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. I love the, Bruce, the, um, the Bryce Hall. I think he would be my... Fine, we'd obviously then go cornerback, and based on what I actually did with um, Jeremy Chin as the positionless safety slash linebacker, mine would be would be Bryce Hall. I mean, close second would probably be Van Jefferson, just because of that ten, the 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 route running and how we've got Diggs, one of the best route runners in in um in the NFL. Beasley, another one, and obviously add Van Jefferson in there. You've got guys that will be able to cause that separation. But if you, if I was to throw a dart onto all three of them, Bryce Hall, Van Jefferson, and Pittman, I'd make sure it ended up with Bryce Hall because you're getting a first so round talent. So that's your that's your third round pick. Yeah, because you get the talent in the first a first round talent in the third round. You can sit in behind Josh Norman and get him to learn from Josh Norman and EJ Gaines test his medical um, status during the season, then next year you've got a potentially fresh player coming in and you can have yeah. him, Trey, lock down the cornerback slots for the next five five years or so. Yeah. So, no, I, 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 like, I like that both you and uh, Simon were talking about cornerback uh, as, a, as a need. When I looked at what the Bills have done in free agency, I kind of put that position out of mind. But I, I, I see it as um, I consider it to be one of the like top three most important positions in football: quarterback, edge, and corner. Because you got to stop the wide receivers. That's the game now. Stop the stop yeah. the passing game. And uh, we still have questions at CB two, uh, and I think this solidifies that. Uh, not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Yeah. So. That's our draft. So our top two picks for you, Alex, was Curtis Weaver and um, Cam Akers. Mine uh, being... Yeah, but I, I wish it wasn't Cam Akers because I said <laughs> on our last show I don't want a running back. But I think that's what the Bills will do, and I'll just go with that game plan. And mine is um, mine is uh, Jeremy Chin and Bryce Hall. What I'll do is we can either do it next week when we um, hopefully get a load of you guys to actually send in draft questions, bills questions, mock drafts in, hopefully, that we can actually um, discuss and chat. 
and hopefully then we'll be able to do our fourth round pick and then we'll put it to a poll next week. We, me and you will do our fourth um, fourth round pick. We'll take it to a poll afterwards and see who comes out with the um, the best haul. Sounds good. So, so please keep reviewing, subscribing. Let everyone know where we are, what we do, who we are. And how great we are. That's me burning my ego a bit, isn't it, on that one? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's up to them. It's up to the listeners to consider us to be great. They can't, don't, you know. <laughs> don't, don't inflate my ego too much, listeners. Um, but, yeah, no. Subscribe. Tell, tell friends where to find us. Next week, please, 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 send in draft questions, free agency questions, bills questions, mock drafts, the locks. We want to have just a fun episode keep following the um the government's guidelines keep staying safe whilst we're in um whilst we're in isolation thank you for for letting us come into your uh into your ears with this podcast keeping you uh sane during this time and for me and for alex it's uh good afternoon good morning good evening thank you for listening and go bills go bills not us. Yeah, not, not us. us. You don't know anything about heart. You don't know anything about work. No. Huh? That's who we are. Bills on three. One, two, three. Bills.